Would you bow your heads for prayer? O oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The scripture reading today comes from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. It's a story that picks up immediately after the death of John the Baptist. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, I attended a workshop on compassion fatigue, a condition that can befall people who not only have been affected by trauma, but also in those who work directly with them, doctors and nurses and therapists and clergy and social workers and lawyers and first responders and dispatchers. And in fact, there's growing concern now that the general population is suffering from compassion fatigue due to the constant media coverage of disasters, pandemic, violence, and suffering. The symptoms are these. People suffering from compassion fatigue can feel hopeless, have a negative attitude, and experience ongoing low-level stress and anxiety. Often there is a decrease in productivity and self-esteem as well as feelings of incompetence, self-doubt, difficulty focusing, and maybe even burnout, which is a chronic condition of perceived demands outweighing perceived resources. In other words, it feels like we don't have enough. And at some time in our lives, we all face the kind of trials and experiences where we come to the limits of our own perceived strength and resources. And by looking at this scripture passage today, I hope we will discover that facing our limits is an opportunity for God to do powerful work through us 
and that there will be enough. In our New Testament passage, Jesus has just been told that his friend and cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded by order of King Herod. And Matthew tells us afterward that Jesus withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself, and we can only imagine his state of mind at that time. Surely he felt grief and anger and exhaustion at the tasks ahead. Maybe he suffered from compassion fatigue, and perhaps he was close to burnout, where perceived demands outweigh perceived resources. He wanted to get away quickly. The Greek phrase, which is translated deserted place, is eramos tapos. It can be read as lonely place, as wilderness. And Jesus did arrive at that lonely place on the Sea of Galilee, but the problem was by the time he got there, it wasn't lonely anymore. The Sea of Galilee is only eight miles across at its widest point, so it's very possible the crowd watched Jesus rowing away, saw exactly where he was going, and walked over to meet him. Here was one who had performed miracles, who had healed people and cast out demons. These folks were suffering, and they were not about to let Jesus get out of their sight. Why is it that when we feel most depleted, most in need of a respite, people seek us out and require even more of us? This is often true in our work, many times with our children, and certainly in our personal relationships. Notice that instead of turning away, Jesus moves toward the big crowd with their relentless and complex suffering and walks right into the middle of all that chaos. Jesus has compassion on the crowd, and he begins to heal their sick. And as Jesus teaches and heals throughout the day. It's growing late, and the disciples approach him with what I think is a reasonable suggestion. This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so they may go into the villages and buy something to eat. Remember, the disciples, too, would have been weary and sick with grief over the death of John the Baptist, suffering their own compassion fatigue, close to burnout. And the desolate places like food deserts and war zones and natural disaster sites do not have the basic provisions needed to sustain life. Can we fault the disciples for looking at the setting sun, the clamoring crowd, the lack of resources, and saying, let them go to find a place to eat and sleep? They are considering the scarcity of what they have. Five loaves of bread, Lord, two fish compared with the overwhelming need around them, the equation is coming up short. There's not enough. The perceived resources do not match the perceived demand. But despite this very obvious fact, Jesus says, bring them here to me. Bring what you have. And he orders the crowd to sit. You know, there are so many times when we're sure we don't have enough we have closets full of clothes and yet not enough to wear. We have refrigerators full of food, yet I'm told in my house there's not anything to eat. We have homes filled with books and toys and distractions, but not enough to do. We have income and resources if we're fortunate, but not enough to give away, we feel sometimes. We live out of an attitude of scarcity, and rather than abundance, that's what we think of when we're under stress. 
And this affects our spiritual life as well. We can feel like we don't have enough energy for the task put in front of us, not enough love for those who need us, not enough strength and stamina to face our trials. We live out of scarcity rather than abundance. We're like those first disciples who make the mistake of thinking that our resources are limited to what we ourselves can provide. Not enough, Lord. Only five loaves, only two fish. That's all I have, and it's not enough. In my younger years, I used to interpret this passage as a call to Christians to just keep going, and God would provide. That even when we are fed up, tired, burned out, and broken, that we still need to empty our pockets because there's someone out there needier than we are but I've repented of that interpretation. And I've come to see the comparative suffering, shaming ourselves into thinking we have no right to complain or be weary, can be dangerous. Because it can keep us out of touch with our own very real need and limitations. And if we can't connect with that, our deep and valid emotions, it's hard to have empathy, real empathy, real compassion for someone else. What I see now in this passage is a whole community of the faithful. That's what keeps going, the community. Not one individual who bears the burden for everyone else, but a whole community diverse in nature and unified at the core. And if diverse, then we will experience change and challenge and transition differently. Our varied ways of experiencing life provide the wholeness we need as the body of Christ. Sometimes we're like the disciples who think that we don't have enough and we want to turn away from the need and suffering. We feel like our tank is empty. Sometimes we're like Jesus. We're called to enter the chaos and and heal with the very power of the living God and strength comes from us. We don't know how in our moment of need. Sometimes we are in the desperate and hungry crowd and we're holding on for dear life. And we're just waiting for that morsel of bread to be dropped in our hand, needing someone else to feed us for just a little while until we become stronger and braver again. Recently, I listened to a podcast by Brene Brown called Comparative Suffering, the 50-50 Myth and Setting the Ball. And in it, she talks about the ongoing effects of the pandemic on our lives and families. And she advises families to create a family gap plan, which is a way of being in touch with how we are doing and what we each have to give and when we are at our low points and need help and need to tap out. And that when there is a gap in the family system, which happens when we are all functioning at a more depleted level than normal, what is the covenant we'll make with each other to keep going? She mentions things like committing to speaking kind words to each other instead of harsh ones, to give and accept apologies, and to have empathy for yourself as well as others. Which made me think of our church family. As the months go on in this ongoing crisis, what is our church family gap plan? 
Are there some who are able to step up and fill in while others tap out for a while? Can we agree to use kind words with each other and to offer to be part of the solution when we see a problem? Do we remember that other people might be going through things we have no idea about and speak in ways that make their day just a little brighter? And will we remember that we're not alone? That Jesus takes what we have, as little as it is, and blesses and multiplies our gifts and our empathy and our energies, filling the gap between our limitations and real human need. We live by communion with our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and when we give to Jesus what we have out of the abundance we've been given, it's enough. Not only enough bread for our journey, but enough love, enough patience, enough stamina, enough faith. Jesus takes that meager supply of bread and fish the disciples offer, and he blesses them. He doesn't chastise them for how little they have of either energy or food. He sure doesn't shame them for their weariness or their self-doubt. He allows them to feel all the feelings to be tired and burned out, to be restless and irritated, but he doesn't leave them alone either. He makes up for what they lack on their own. It's a divine family gap plan. Jesus blesses and breaks the bread of life and provides for all that is needed, giving it back to the 12 to distribute at their own pace, one person at a time for as long as it takes. And when they work at it together, it is more than enough. More than enough. And all the broken pieces are gathered, not discarded, not left behind. Several years ago, my church was host to a group of university students from Russia and Belarus. They were touring our country as part of the Global Logos program, which is a midweek church program for children and youth in the U.S. and abroad. They were sharing the gospel through music and puppets. Essentially, they were missionaries to the U.S. One young woman named Irina from Belarus stayed in our home for the night and told us a little bit about her life. She showed us all her family photos and, and her friends. And one photo was of a woman with a young baby back home in Belarus. When we asked her about the photo, she said her friend had been assaulted, become pregnant, and given birth to this baby despite the disapproval of her own family and their rejection. And Irina is her godmother to the baby in the Orthodox Church. She said it's very difficult sometimes. And when I asked her why it was difficult, she said, as the baby's godmother, I am to help her. My salary is $20 a month. But God is faithful. When people give me things, I give them to my friend and her baby. I loved that she trusted me enough to share how she felt about her responsibility. And I loved that even though all her worldly possessions would fit in a suitcase, her main concern was to have enough to share with her godchild. She trusted God would provide and that it would be enough. As we move to the table, the feast our Lord and Savior has provided, the bread of his body and the blood of his sacrifice, let us examine our hearts and our attitude toward God. 
Because the truth is, on our own, we don't have enough because we all have limits. And without the spirit of the living God, no one has enough willpower to overcome sin, not enough love for our enemies, not enough forgiveness, not enough compassion to think of others first, not enough energy for our task, not enough hope. But God has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ to be our shepherd, and God has given us one another so that we are not alone and no one has to do it all, especially those with empty pockets. When we accept Jesus Christ into our lives, we become part of the blessed and broken community, and we live out of God's abundance, and it is more than enough. Thanks be to God.